Welcome to the Healthy Love and Money Podcast. If you find money to be the number one, two, or even third largest source of stress in your relationship, then you're in the right place. Going beyond how to budget, invest, and do your taxes, we're going to explore financial intimacy. Discover how to talk with your partner about your shared financial life. Let's take the awkward and painful out of money conversations. Join me and hit follow to listen to weekly inspiring, healing, and motivating interviews with financial therapists, couples therapists, and financial planners, and so many more. Let's go on the journey of financial intimacy together. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Healthy Love and Money podcast. Today, I have the amazing Dee Wagner with me. And I say amazing because I read people pretty quickly and she's sitting here smiling at me with so much warmth. I'm just like, oh, now I do a lot of Google searching and I came across D when I, I don't know what I Google searched, but I found polyvagal dance therapy and probably some other combination thing. I was like, ah, I got to reach out to her. She seems amazing. And so uh, just before the show started, she was sharing a little bit about her ideas and her work and this is going to be such a fun show. So Dee, welcome to the show. And can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Thank you. It's delightful to be here. I enjoyed reading about the work you do and your pathway to yeah. be here where you are. And I feel really honored to share with you a little bit about me and with all of you who are listening. So um, I've been at this therapy thing for 30 years now. When I got my master's in counseling, I knew I wanted to bring expressive art therapy work, my undergrad's theater, with a a lot of emphasis on dance. Yeah. So I became a counselor and a dance movement therapist and also a somatic educator. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And it was in 2013 that I discovered the work of of Stephen Borges. And his work is called polyvagal theory. And I'll tell you guys more about that. But when I saw it, Everything I'd ever done in my own personal therapy journey and in my work with clients, it was like Tetris. That that just everything kind of clicked, and I saw, I saw the pathway of the therapeutic work like I'd never seen it before. I started trying to draw what I saw for my clients, which eventually became a drawing that is in the. Um, neuroeducational toolbox, which is, is that what it's called? I think it's the neuroeducational toolbox. It, it's in a, a textbook for counselors and psychotherapists. It's all of a sudden, I can't remember the exact name of it. But anyway, yeah. this drawing is an interactive tool. And it's also available on my website for free. You can download it on the website. So, And you saw the drawing, as I recall, in the article of mine that is on the counseling today website yeah which is d wagner and polyvagal theory in practice yes that tell you enough i think that that's a great start and you know the audience is a mix of financial planners therapists and general people interested in the healing journey on the healing journey right and so we have an eclectic group of folks that are have varying degrees of understanding bend towards academic understanding bend towards general self-help, and, and kind of everything in between. So we welcome anybody that wants awesome. to listen, obviously. But, you know, basically anybody that's awesome. interested in this cool intersection of therapy, healing, and money, kind of this is a show for them. 
Yeah, I, I saw an article in the New York Times maybe four months ago about financial therapy. And I thought, Yay! Wow. That's good yeah. news. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. And for whoever financial planners are listening, thank you for being here listening to this to better understand the dance of relationship. So as you know, Ed, I, in the last four years, have developed a polyvagal-informed, multi-generational trauma healing method that is called he would mean energy, chi for F-O-R, two, like two people. Yeah. The energetic dance of healthy relationships. So financial planner dances with their clients. Yeah. Is part of what they're listening to better understand, I'm guessing. Yeah. Well, and I think, right, couples are going to be listening to this. Practitioners are going to be listening to this. And it's the, the word combination you just strung together. Can we say that again? Because... It's a mouthful, but it really needs to be a mouthful because there's a, a lot of pieces that are pulled together in that. So can you say the multi-generational yes. piece again? Yes. So it, the, it is a polyvagal informed. So it's informed by Stephen Porges' polyvagal theory, which gives us an understanding of multi-generational trauma patterning. So it's a polyvagal informed, multi-generational trauma healing method. It's called Qi, Qi as in C-H-I, energy, Qi for two. And the subtitle of the method is the energetic dance of healthy relationship. And that's couples. Yeah. That's families, couples, helper, healthy uh huh. So it it can be any kind of combination of people, right? But it's that energy yeah. that's between the two, how they're dancing together, yeah. how the vagus yeah. nerve. And I'm gonna hit the pause button yeah. there on the vagus nerve. Can you give a good little thirty second bio on the vagus nerve and what right, what polyvagal theory means? Like connect all those dots for folks. Right. Absolutely. And I find that it can help people to actually kind of move it. So the vagus nerve is one of the cranial nerves, means it comes down from the brain. So if you put your hands in that space at the back of your head where your skull meets the spine. Yeah, yeah. So the vagus nerve is one of those cranial nerves that comes down from the spine and then kind of comes forward. If you move your hand along your jawline. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, vagus means wandering, and the vagus nerve has lots of branches. So if you go back to the back of your head, yeah, if you go backwards and back to where you came, where your head connects to your spine, and then travel down your neck as far as your hands can reach, uh-huh. and then do that thing where you take your hands down and reach your back so it comes all the way down. Yeah. And then if you take your hands along the bones of your pelvic bowl, in pelvic bowl area, there's lots of branches of the vagus nerve. Okay. Yeah. So the vagus nerve has many branches, but he noticed there was two major branches. And you can see it. It's just anatomy. The one that's right there and sort of at your jaw area uh-huh. is myelinated. It's 
coated, it's sheathed. Okay. So yep. it can react in a more nuanced way. Uh huh. The one that goes down the back, he calls that dorsal. Like if you reach to your back, you know, you the dorsal yeah. fin on a dolphin. Uh huh. So yeah. it, it coats, it's all in front of your spine and it's not connected to your spine, but you can just kind of get that sense of it traveling head brain down the body to belly brain. Okay. And the ventral comes forward. The dorsal is behind that. So the vagus nerve brakes like the brake on an automatic car, B-R-A-K-E, uh-huh. activation. Okay. So if you kind of dance around a little bit and move, and then you stop and look at me, like, is this okay? Are we yeah. good? You good? Yeah. I'm good. You good? We good? Yeah. Right. And then maybe dance a little bit more, kind of, and then stop and look. That stop to look at the person you're dancing with or to feel them, to listen to them, to kind of get a sense of them. That's how the vagus nerve breaks day-to-day activation. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the ventral does that in a way that Porges calls play dance. Okay. So the super exciting news is that we have an active state that is not fight flight. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like fight flight is the only kind of activation. <laughs> That's good. That is really good news. Isn't that amazing news? Yeah. yeah right. Right. Like it's, there's a healthy activation. There's a productive, a playful activation. Playful activation. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so you can yeah. see as a dance movement therapist, expressive arts therapist, I was like, yeah. Yeah. Now, um, because the break can also, especially in the digestive area, break in a way that feels like. <gasps> sure. Yeah. Yeah. There is this other kind of stopping the activation that is called shutdown. Uh-huh. So this shutdown in the intestinal area can create all kinds of digestive issues. It shallows the breath. Uh-huh. It's meant to do that to help us survive threat. So, for instance, the possum is in the yard, and I don't know how many people you have from yeah. countries or whatever that don't know what possums are. They're, they're kind of a, a rodent, a large outdoor rodent creature, and yeah. they have the ability to feign death. And right. in, in Georgia, they call that playing possum. <laughs> yes, right, right. So that's why I often use the possum as an example. But other animals feign death as well. And you sure. can see this online, particularly with the work of Peter Levine. He shows how our animal bodies can go into shutdown. Uh-huh. And, and then we shallow our breath, we slow our digestion, and hopefully the danger will pass. Sure. If the possum's gone into possum and the danger passes, the possum will shake all off and run to safety. And then like, Ooh. you know, if, I, if we humans do that, we run to safety, shake it off, and then, you know, type a bunch of stuff on our Facebook page. <laughs> Tell the story maybe of what happened. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. So this is a, a great high-level overview of the vagus nerve. It's a wandering nerve. It starts at the, the base of our skull. 
comes around our jaw, but also goes down kind of through our whole core center, if you will. And then I kind of, I'm using the word spider webs around your abdominal region. And we have kind of different activities that are controlled by this vagus nerve. We have fight or flight, we have freeze or possum, and then we have um, playful activation. Is that kind of three buckets? Yeah, or just calls it play dance. Yeah, there's a guy who's a tennis coach who's talking about it as being play zone. Okay, yeah. That, that other active state. Or just calls it play dance, which I am partial to. And the tennis coach <laughs> just talks about the play zone. But it's the same thing. You know, that's the funny thing about some of this stuff is we're you, we're talking about the same thing, but people have different word preferences, right? We're, but we're talking about the same thing. It's kind of this activated, engaged in life, interested, curious, open to what's happening, free moving. Uh, see, I wish you guys could see Dee right now because she is dancing and smiling. <laughs> and I it, there's so much positive energy. I just love it. Uh, so the other big piece in this kind of big method that you're talking about that you've developed is multi-generational trauma. And you know, as a therapist, I'm familiar with that concept, but I know that some of my listeners are probably not as familiar with that concept. So can you walk us through what that means? Yeah. So um, a big piece of polyvagal theory in my drawing that is on my website, and, and I will also add that I created, I originated Chiefer 2, but I developed it with my husband, Mm-hmm. With my son, who's a, in fact, my husband came up with the name. He's a very he's a punster, and the name Chief for Two is a play on that old song, you know, T for Two and Two. Oh, for yes, two. of course, I love it. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. So Chief for Two. Uh-huh. Um, my son is a Tai Chi teacher and a meditation teacher, and so uh-huh. he helped. And then yeah. there's a, um, a another counselor who's also a yoga teacher, a somatic expert, Caroline Gephardt, and a fourth person who is a body worker and a longtime massage therapist and a musician. Uh, so we created Chi for Two, and there are 40 partner practices. Wow. 35 of the practices are for relationships where there's a built-in power differential. So okay. helper, helpy, parent-child, teacher-student employer boss and employee these are relationships where there's a built-in power differential and so there's practices for those yeah can i interrupt for a second sorry Uh, you know i'm just thinking about couples and money and we'll we'll probably get around here but i'm just so excited i almost i can't contain myself d so i've got to ask right absolutely i think in the in the intimate relationship, we think about the ideal state would be a balance of power. But we all know that that's ideal and not reality for a lot of us, where money takes on power representation. And it kind of gets built in as this power differential because you make more money or you make less or you have a higher social status job than I do. Um I guess there's probably a number of ways we could frame the money power differential that gets baked yeah. into the relationship. And that's yeah. for me as a therapist, really tricky to balance the scale, yes. so to speak. I mean, I, I yes. try kind of cognitively to do it. I sometimes try emotionally, but I'm really interested to see about this polyvagal lens for balancing that yes. power. And let's yes. be honest, part of the reason why I'm on this whole journey, D is there's a power differential in my marriage with my wife. <laughs> 
She <laughs> finished dental school and I finished being a firefighter. And in social status terms, at least monetarily, she comes out way ahead than me in that starting place, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. and even my yeah. own mental accounting, even after three graduate degrees, I still don't feel equal because the social standards yeah. of doctor is yeah. higher than anything. So, you know, yeah. this, this is a very personal journey for me. And I will say, as I work with lots of clients, there's variety in what represents power differential and money. But it it's baked in and it really causes a ruckus. So I'm I'm on base. Absolutely, absolutely beautiful. So in the romantic dance, we counselors have known for a long time that the unfinished infant parent dances are going to get stirred, that the baby stuff is going to get stirred. Certain couples therapy says, well, let's just help you mother each other. Okay, There's certain sure. therapies like emotionally focused therapy or some of the older versions of imago therapy. Let's just let's baby each other and won't that solve the problem? Okay. Yeah. Now, what we know in Chief or Two is that a, a child psychologist, psychiatrist, Judith Kestenberg and her colleagues, they studied babies for a long, long time and they identified there are infant rhythms that alternate between ones they call indulging, like baby each other, uh -huh. and ones they call fighting, like, I don't want to do that. And, you know, this cranky, I did nanny, 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 nanny. If you're a parent, you know this. Yeah. And so people who thought, well, if this is the baby stuff, let's just finish the baby stuff. They're not paying attention to that half of the baby stuff is this, let me fight you. Let me point out the things that are wrong with you. Right, right. With cheese the two, when you've got a couple and one person is pointing to the other one, well, he, na 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 he, na 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 And the other person, well, you, da-da-da-dee-da-da-da-you, da-da-da-dee-da-da. In yeah. chief or two, what we invite them to do is to like do that move of pointing out from your body in slow motion. Okay. Because that's a really important move. And then we'll say, let if we take turns, and everything's invitational in chief or two, because that's what makes you find your, your own energetic self. You know, right. what if you took that point, the finger that you're doing at your spouse? And what if you brought that point towards me? So what if you slow motion, like you can do it right now, Ed, and people can imagine you doing it. If you point yeah. your finger towards me. Yeah. Like you're towards me. Yeah. yeah like you yeah. do. Feel how that gets energy flowing from you up your spine, out your arm and finger. Yeah, yeah, definitely noticing that. That is a super important move that can get lost in family dances over generations. So now we're back to the multi-generational trauma pattern. Okay. Some parents somewhere said, well, don't let your child point their finger at you like that. Jab, jab, stab, stab, point, point, point. 
Oh, right. Because it would be disrespectful. It would be disrespectful. You know, who knows? They might talk that way to their teacher and they'll get suspended. Right. Sure. Uh Let's just nip that in the bud. Let's just shut that down. If you go back to that feeling of all the spider web, like you said, of Vegas branches and the if that baby, that child, that toddler, that teenager <laughs> is jab stabbing at the parents and the parents shut that down in a way, <gasps> then you've got a movement in dorsal vagal shutdown. Whoa. Whoa. There, there's levels of depth here that like I'm kind of like staring into the pit, but like, whoa, I, man, that's... D just dropped something really deep that I kind of get, but will probably hit me like two years from now. I'm like, oh, that's what you <laughs> meant about that. Okay. So if I, in now, my understanding, if I'm understanding you right now, D, when we stop that finger pointing action, we we kind of freeze a process. We stop it in time um, instead of kind of helping it move through its natural course. Is this kind of what you're getting at okay bingo yeah absolutely and it's natural course when you're six months old and you're pointing that finger is for the parents to say yay for you look at you look at you using that hand movement to help you learn to sit yourself up and to feel that rise of energy up your spine out your arm yay for you yeah, right. But when it gets frozen and it awakens when you're five and it goes at your sibling or it yeah. even comes at the parent in teenage years and it's full of a lot of words that have a lot of consonants. <laughs> yeah. 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 Then this sense of, well, something's gone awry. We better shut it down. And it gets more and more shut down. And that can get passed down over generations so that you've got movement shut down from centuries ago. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Healthy Love and Money podcast. I'm honored that you spend time with me listening to these incredible interviews. I love working with individuals and couples around their financial life, integrating mental health and relational well-being. I'd love to personally invite you into my financial planning practice where I do therapy-informed financial planning bringing together mental health, relationship health, and financial well-being. If you're thinking that's the type of help you'd like, please see the show notes below to schedule your free 30-minute discovery call. And I'll look forward to seeing you and hearing more about your unique story and how I can best support you. Now, back to the show. <laughs> I can't help but make this personal, D. Sure, it's the best way. I'm thinking about, I've got... I've got a 12-year-old, a 6-year-old, and a 5-year-old, all boys. And he, my middle, Simon, as wonderful as he is, you know, he it, he thinks he knows what's best for his brother. That I can just see that finger pointing. He's like, you don't do this. That's not right. And, you know, I just shut it down almost every single time. Yeah. And I watch him kind of mm-hmm. collapse, right? Like, I, I can see him kind of cla- like. Dorsal well, shut down. Well, shoot, dad's getting mm-hmm. angry at me once again. I'm pointing something about my brother because I'm interpreting it as like he's being harsh and too directive. So I'm shutting it down. And yeah. you're really kind of opening 
my paradigm of because I, you know, I'm thinking, oh, I'm being good dad. I'm protecting my younger one from being beat up by his bigger brother. But like, there's something I need to shift here. It sounds like. And here's the something. So here's the chief for two. So I, as an elder, a person who's been at this a long, long time, longer than you, invite you to experience a movement process a moving through, as you say, that then you can help your son. Okay. And your son zooms. Yeah. So you got a son jab and stab and sideways, you know, at, right. at someone where there's ideally power equality despite the fact that they're age differences. You know, yeah. they are siblings. Yeah. And so if you jab stab like you're going towards your brother, and I say that jab, that stab, that move that you're doing to your brother. Could you bring that to me? And you're like, what? That? No, that do 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 do. Could you bring it to yeah. me? Like, really, yeah, you dad? Okay. Could you take that? I know about him. I know about him. Pointy finger. And can you bring yeah. it to me? Point. Okay. Point. Yeah. Point and point out to me. Yeah. Can you point at me? Point at me. Me. Yeah. Okay. Pointing at the. Yeah. 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 And even maybe this could become some sort of patty cake, like high five for you for all that you know. Isn't that great that you know all these things? And your brother's gonna get to his own way and his own time, but. You can tell me all the things that you are learning and you are knowing. Right, yeah. What is that like to do? I mean, just kind of, it. in a funny way, it kind of takes all that steam and energy out of it, right? Like, in a good way, it just, it, yeah, it transfers the energy to me, so it redirects him towards me, and then he gets to stay with his energy and see it through to the yes. end. But I have the capacity yeah. to kind of absorb it because it's like, it's okay. It's just, you know, you're being a six-year-old. Well, and if, if you now imagine that you are inviting the six-year-old to bring that energy towards you, I love thinking of you as a, a firefighter. You know, you're, you're, where do you direct the, the water? You know, this, right. he's squirting you with a hose. And instead of like swallowing it or absorbing it in your pores, if you get your hands up, like like it's a you're catching, maybe it's like you're catching a baseball if he's throwing or a tennis ball or something. If you get your hands up and you kind of give your hands there to maybe a patty cake to a high five, but you're just holding your hands up like he's squirting a squirt gun in one palm and a squirt gun in another palm and you're like catching the squirt, the energy, and it's not hurting you at all, but you're celebrating that movement, then you're not even absorbing it. You're just catching it, celebrating it, and then redirecting it toward, well, you know so many things. Maybe you want to go research on your computer. Maybe you want to go write this down. Maybe you want to make a piece of art. Maybe you want to make yeah. this into a song. 
just brings to mind, you know, the part of my work ends up doing family estate planning work and sibling conflict and alienation is pervasive in the estate planning. Adult siblings are disconnected, yes. frustrated, resentments. Yeah. And that to me is a big part of the multi-generational yeah. process. The parents don't know what to do yeah. with their adult children at odds. And it just really yeah. can bog down or, or mangle it up. And so, you know, I've often thought about how our, how we are as parents now is impacting how the estate planning process will happen, you know, 30 years Absolutely. from now. Leave it yes. to a financial planner or yeah. therapist to think about these yeah. types of things. But it's, yeah. you know, as parents, we're trying to do the best we can with the knowledge and skills we have. And yeah, yeah. right. It, it yes. still gets mangled up some. And so th these type yeah. of very practical reframes are, are so helpful. And we can apply this one about siblings and me helping you imagine helping the sibling that's doing all the po pointing out towards the other sibling, bring the pointing out to you to recognize that this move this is, is an important move. And yeah. bring it to me because I cannot absorb it but catch it and reflect it back to you for the, the usefulness of this move. Okay. That can happen with the couples. So when you're working with a couple and there's some pointing out that starts to happen between the couple, you can do this Let's very just name same. something. In my world, right, a uh, common pointing yeah. out is you spent so much money. You didn't tell me. How dare you? I feel yes, betrayed, yeah. right? Like. Yeah. And I'm even, I naturally went to the finger pointing, right? Like, it's just, yes, exactly. and, you know, exactly. and I did, and I watched yes. the other partner just kind of, they yes. either get bigger and they start pointing fingers yes. back or they just yes, kind of collapse. Exactly. And then you, right. Exactly. They either go into fight flight or to shut down. And this is in that drawing. So we have right. three, when, when people see the drawing, it's a very simple yeah. drawing, but it's very yeah. powerful. We it used is, to think is. there was one continuum of active and calming uh -huh. and that fight flight was at the top and collapse, shut down, depression, dissociation was at the bottom and that you were trying right. to balance that and find some sort of sweet spot in the middle. Okay. Yeah. But with polyvagal theory, we understand there's two continuums of active and calming, whether we okay. sense safety or we are feeling the multi-generational trauma patterning, that old, old, life-threatening, baby, unfinished dance stuff. So these pointing this picture, yeah. and it's, for me, as I see it, is almost the way I would represent in my mind is two columns, which is not perfect, but there, she has an image with fight, flight on the top and shut down on the bottom. And it's this up, down, continuum, and that's what we're trying to use to manage. And... But what yeah. polyvagal theory did was it opened up this other con column, almost if you will, that's titled social engagement, and it's green because it's pleasurable. I'm assuming that's greens associated with pleasurable. Typically, it's go, yeah, and it has yeah. certain levels yeah. of arousal, interest that are beneficial, generative, positive, and that's we want to live over in that social engagement side, right? D and I are having lots of social engagement. Yeah. We're in the social engagement phase yeah. of relating. She hasn't stepped on my toes. I haven't stepped on her toes. Um, and so we're just having yeah. fun 
with arousal and excitement to be together, it comes back down, it goes back up. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. To get a little more anatomical, this ventral braking that creates play dance, B-R-A-K-E, like a automatic car. If you step on yeah. the brake, it will stop it in very nuanced ways. Right. So that ventral braking is also the what's called peristalsis, which moves the food through the digestive system. That, you know, kind of break release, break release, yeah. break release, break release. So when we are active in play dance, our body has a natural rest and digest. This is a short sidebar, but I know that a lot of listeners and myself to some extent, like, are struggle with gut issues and they're trying to manage it through diet, changing diet. And my sense with, as I learned about polyvagal theory is like diet is not going to fix your gut issues, at least not fully. Like there's, there's this other side of working with our gut regulated uh, with the vagus nerve that we don't have full direct control over it, at least as I understand it. Right. We don't. So, but your gut is having problems processing food, not because of the food you're eating, but because of its dysregulation is the word that I, I come up with, I think is pretty common in the literature. So can we sidebar on that? I'm curious, am I on the right track? Or? Yes, let's sidebar on that. So, so yes, I, it's a little more nuanced that some foods do react. But yeah. if you imagine right now, that you're eating the food that is the healthiest, works the best for your own body, but all of a sudden there's that that grab in the gut. You can begin Uh to feel that food is probably not going to digest well, even if it was really, you know, the best fit of food for my body. So maybe in that simple, like if we use the column, that column idea, right, between fight and flight, and freeze if we're in that part of our nervous system and we're eating super healthy food we're still going to have a hard time processing it right right but if we're eating yes. good food for us good food air quotes the right food for us and where our vagus nerve is in the social engagement the likelihood of it processing through smoothly is goes way up yeah now here's the thing that chiefly, that's yes and there's a lot out there talking about how to, quote, unquote, tone your vagus nerve. Yes. But right. the vagus nerve reacts to the dance of relationship. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Look at that aha yeah. on your face. Yeah. So just yeah. doing the, like, chi for two is built on important developmental moves. Okay. But it isn't the moves per se that affect the vagus nerve. It is a redo of a more ideal infant parent dance than what yep. the multi-generational trauma gave us. Okay. So yeah. if you'll notice, and if your listeners, if you all will notice, when I offered the possibility that you might want to move this way, it was right. a dance. That I wasn't telling you to move this way. I was offering the possibility. And if your head had turned aside like, well, no, because the deep da da I would have celebrated that. 
right? There's almost no wrong response to your invitation, right? Like if I said, exactly. no, I don't want to point my finger at you, D, or I was exactly. called back from that, you would have just, just roll with that. But I, I, yeah, I would say, well, yay. Yeah, yeah, I would have said yay yeah. for you that you could feel that you didn't want to do that. And then we could feel into the don't want. Is that your head wanting to turn from one shoulder to the other, which is the gesture of no? And yeah. how important it is. We say in chief or two, if no is not an option, yes is not a choice. So let's say that phrase one more time, because there's a lot of power in that. If no is not an option, yes is not a choice. This, I think, it maybe strikes right in the heart for me of a balanced power marriage, right? Like that right to say no in marriage. If no is not an option, if a person doesn't feel free for their head to swing side to side and say something doesn't smell right, yeah, then yes is more of a drink the Kool-Aid. Okay. It's more of a, I feel the yes is what I have to do to keep the peace. Yeah. I'm just thinking about Right with with couples and money and that kind of what is my right to say no to what you're doing with money? How do I navigate that? Um, so yeah, I'm trying to st string this together, but there's there's something really big here. Yes, very big, and I will offer that when we can say no to any dance at any time, for any reason, right. then yes becomes a choice. So just because someone is saying no in this moment, you know, no, that does not feel right, doesn't mean they're going to always say no or say no in the next session. They are saying, in this moment, my gut, speaking of guts, says no. Yeah. So let's pause. Let's be with your no. And that begins to create more of the ideal power equality. Each person can say no to any dance for any reason. And then you keep dancing. And then you find what works for both people. I'm noticing tears starting to come up as I think mm -hmm. about the profound impact of of this this lesson that I know will deepen for me beyond this conversation, but there's so many clients who've not been able to say no when they needed to say no, and it feels like to me so much of that the recovery and healing journey is reclaiming the right to say no, and then seeing you shake your move your head back and forth no, which is that the visceral body movement, like we learn to to say no almost like having to stiffen up. Or we yeah. stiffen up and just gut through it because we don't feel like we can yeah. authentically just say no. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm thinking yeah. about yeah, just yeah. how and and at the same time, no now isn't no forever, but it's I'm not there yet. Right. And it's yeah. 
Ooh. not wanting to override this. So it's reframing it as we don't just override people's nose to get to the result we want or the result we think they want, which is another, yes. yeah. So a, a healthy power, power balance relationship allows both partners to say no at any time for any reason. And then there's a responsibility no to work through that together. Yeah. And no is not for, right. but yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. So as you were talking about kind of imposing power on, it comes to a chief or two practice that is a real standard practice. And it is the practice of push. And there's okay. a push is ideally baby into the hands of the parent. So right. like, for instance, right. if your desk won't roll across the room, you could push your hands into the desk in front of your gut, protecting your face in front of your body. And I'm going to hold up my hands. And you could imagine you're pushing into me. This is like, baby, you saying, I don't like this or that or whatever. Would it be okay to push into something? And your listeners could go find, you know, a desk, a wall, and push into something. And feel, when you push into something, you feel your arms. Uh huh. Yeah. Sure. When you push a little more, you can feel your cold. If you push even more, you can feel into your six bones. You might even dig your feet into the ground. Sure. Yeah. It's an important, powerful move, just like pointing the hand out from the body, just like the ability to say no. And the only way that you can begin to rewire this from the way it got shut down through multi-generational trauma pattern is in a dance of relationship. When, when your clients, your couples, can push into you and you can help them feel their rights, feel their right to say no, the value of pointing a finger out, then it becomes more okay to dance with power, equality, and curiosity with their romantic part. <laughs> my, my mind is just blowing wide open. I'm loving this. <laughs> I'm thinking about the ramifications of this. And it's right. The abstraction part of my mind is for listeners. This is not symbolic. This is actual lived physical embodied movement. These hands are pushing up against or like symbolically pushing against the screen, but if it, as if a wall were there and she was doing that and I kind of took time a moment to push my hands down into my, the armrest of my chair. Um, I do want to note D is actually standing through this whole interview, which I think is beautiful. And I'm going to have to set myself up to do that more because I think it just lends to that being fully embodied. Probably you know, part of, I imagine what you teach is helping people be fully embodied. So this is, yes. wow. Yes. I will address that briefly. Um, when we sit, we can feel like a baby that can't walk yet. We oh, can yeah. feel trapped. Uh-huh. You know, even the old idea of ground yourself through your feet. Imagine you're a tree and you have roots. Well, then you couldn't move. You know, um, that would feel scary <laughs> to, to have you know be stuck with roots. To, right. to be eight, there's a, a chief or two practice called ready stance, and it's just like in any sport, a softness in the hips and the knees and the ankles, you know, ability yeah. to be ready. You know, 
you see me kind of doing this move everybody and yeah. like what happens when you get ready to play tennis you get even golf has yeah. this kind of soft hips and knees and ankles dance with the earth you know it it's interesting you say that because i definitely see that right there's kind of this built-in, very natural. Each sport has a little variant on it, but a kind of a readying the body for the movement, a softening. You you let it. You're not collapsed and all wobbly wiggly, and you're not this rigid board. It's just kind of this in between, ready for what's to come. So so far, you have four chi for two practices that people can use for couples around money. When you catch them pointing out things about each other, you can invite them to bring that point the finger outward from the body towards you. And then you can catch how useful the move is. Right. And then you can say to the other person, what was it like to watch your partner bring that to me? And usually they say, oh, it was such a relief. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so you can take turns yeah. yeah and then we looked at saying no can your chin swing from side to side and just because we say no doesn't mean no forever but if no is not an option yes can't be a choice yeah. and then when there's just a lot stirred up the push helps us feel more embodied we're in our bodies. Yeah. And then right. the fourth one was, and I could even imagine, you know, that you're sitting with a couple, but that it would, you know, it's like, this is a lot of big stuff. It might feel better so you don't feel like trapped into any of this. There's no rush. Nobody's trapped here, hopefully, because yeah. you can say right. you know, yeah. because you can, yeah. And so yeah. what if we all just stood up for a moment and kind of felt some softness in our hips and knees and ankles, the ability that we can move from side to side, you know, we can turn yeah. around. You know, could we just kind of realize we, we, we are not stuck, we're not trapped if, if the, the situation starts mm-hmm. to feel stuck? Oh, uh, yeah, and I hear that I feel trapped, I feel stuck all the time. So, Dee, as this interview has to come to a close, which makes me so sad yeah. because I feel like we're just getting started, where can people find out more about your work and uh, pick up on more of these practices, both kind of for the professionals that are listening, but also for the folks that are just saying, hey, I really like what Dee has to say. Where can they find more information about you and, and your work? So, the website is g42.com. Okay. There, for, for professionals, there is um, a lot of professional trainings. There's a two-year Chief or Two Embodiment Coach training program that okay. is helping people be use somatic work, use somatic um, healing techniques, Chief or Two. And then there's uh, um, a Chief or Two Facebook, Instagram, those kind of things. All the fun social things. Yeah. Well, Dee... It has been such an honor to meet you and have you on the show today. I hope that all the listeners hear this from the sincerity of my heart. I hope that you'd be willing to be a guest again in the future. It would be so fun. I knew hearing of your story how fun this would be. So I would be delighted. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Dee, and have a great afternoon. 
I invite you now to stop for five or 10 minutes and reflect on what you just heard. Maybe even journal about it. Give yourself the time to consider what you just heard and what it means to you. By giving yourself the time to reflect and integrate what you just heard, it will help you along your journey of learning, healing, and growing towards financial intimacy in your life. Please like and follow this podcast and share with someone that would benefit from being on the journey of financial intimacy. Wishing you healthy love and money, Ed.